0: general nerdery general nerdery general nerdery general nerdery general nerdery's making podcasts do they make podcasts yeah they do i just said that look out a podcast about liking things A dig in i did like eight years of choir and this is literally the only thing i've ever done with it
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's bad i apologize no that's fine sorry it's mr fine. peterson we're general nerdery i'm tyler i'm zach we're here to talk about Into the Spider-Verse today, oh and God, it's going to so be great. Happy. And I'm really happy that we're going to talk about it. I'm still not sure what I'm going to say, but I'm going to bloviate about something. That's for fucking goddamn sure. We have been talking about doing this episode since before the podcast existed. And it's exciting. Oh, I'm so happy. Before uh, we get there. I have
0: Spider-Man themed everything. My suggestions, my what have I been reading. Nice. Spider-themed.
1: Not so much mine. Anyway, what have you been ingesting?
0: Uh, I actually do have a non-Spider-Man one, and then I do have Spider-Man one. I still am reading God fucking damn Food War Shokugeki no Sama, Mm. the horny cooking manga, and I've started watching Great British Bake Off with it, and it's like the weirdest yin-yang-zen of like the most stressful cooking environment possible with like the chillest cooking show playing. uh, But Spider-Man-themed... I finally sat down and read Friendly, uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, written by Tom Taylor. Okay. Tom Taylor is probably best known for writing the Injustice comic books, but I like him best writing stuff like X-Men Red, All-New Wolverine, where X-23 was Wolverine, Spider-Man, his like, more feel-good stuff, because he's got a really great eye for like cute and sweet and kind, mm-hmm. on top of his really good eye for violent murder. as we have seen in Injustice. But friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is very focused on Peter Parker. And when they say neighborhood, they mean the neighborhood. Like his his, legit uh, like the homeless people that Peter Parker like gives money to all the time. Like, you know, gives them a dollar or whatever. Oh, okay. Or the 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 guy the people that just moved to New York who on their way in, they almost like die from a car crash and Spider-Man saves them. Like yeah, Spider-Man's cool. relationship with the everyday dude. And it's so fucking good. <laughs> and it's got all these great little scenes. There's a comic or not a comic. There's a page on Facebook called uh spider scan every day, a page of Spider-Man mm-hmm. or something like that. And he just takes snippets of the comic books of great Spider-Man moments. And like all of my favorite have been from this series. Nice. Uh, and so I finally got to sit down and read it. It gets really sad because Aunt May has cancer and you get to watch Peter Parker learn how to fucking deal with that, with his whole thing going down. Plus just other cool shit. Spider-Man's my favorite hero and this is one of the best books of his that I've ever read.
1: Awesome. Um, yeah, That does sound really good. I didn't ingest much this week. That's fine. Um, I'm not judging you at all. It was mostly just, like, having episodes that I'd seen ten times of Big Mouth running in the background while, like, I'm getting ready for work and stuff like that. Uh, So the the big main new thing that I ingested, I'm actually going to just save for the end because it's also going to be my recommendation. Perfect. Uh, So nice and quick for me today. Yeah. It's mostly just been... I just need something to play in the background. Cool. Big Mouth? Cool. In-betweeners? Yeah, that's great. That same thing that I've been doing with Great British Bake Off. It's been great.
0: So, uh, I see you have some Death of Superman up there on your news screen.
1: Oh, yeah. So, so we got some news this week. Uh, we'll start with the big, giant layoffs over at DC. It is being the described Warner as in general. a
0: bloodbath.
1: Uh most
0: of the major editorial staff at DC comics has been fired, including Bob Harris, who is one of the highest ranking people at, at DC. It was one of the biggest minds behind the new 52. He's huge gone all in a day. Like, I mean, they're, most of them are working through the fall, but like just person
1: after person, major editorial staff cuts. Um I don't remember what the exact number was in DC but it was 600 total people from Warner Media. Mhm. But it
0: I want to say it was something like a fifth to the quarter of the staff. Like it is a bloodbath. Uh they've been looked or they're apparently rumored to be looking over all the contracts of the like big name creators that DC has right now, you know. Dan Abnett is exclusive at DC. Brian Bendis is exclusive of DC. And that was huge when he went over there mm-hmm. and, uh, AT&T, cause it's the AT&T and time warmer emerged, which is a major reason why all this is happening. And AT&T is like, do we really need to pay them that much fucking money for this? Please don't fire him. Oh my God. Like it's already so scary. What's going on at DC.
1: Um, yeah, it seems like every day there's a little bit of extra news about it, whether this title is no longer going or that title or... Just this week, just today, they announced
0: they're cutting 20 to 25% of their titles. It's a quarter of their
1: fucking titles. Well, I Um, know uh, a couple days ago, uh, Jim Lee was talking about it and was like, well between 20 to 25% of the titles aren't we were losing money. money on.
0: Yeah. I get it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. As we say, uh, DC desperately comics desperately needs a shakeup. And I don't know if the way AT&T is doing it is a good thing or a bad thing, but at least something is changing. I'm definitely not taking at and side. I never take the giant company side, but The comic industry had gotten so
1: insular and stagnant that shit's changing. I don't know. Um, Along with all this, and this news has kind of uh, flown a little bit more under the radar in the wake of so many layoffs, they have said that all the DC Universe original content will be migrating over to HBO Max. That does not surprise me. The fact that they owned
0: both of those and DC... DC Universe was always a
1: strange decision for a streaming network. Well, and it's so niche. I've been kind of holding off on some of that news. Like every week there's been a little bit of something, but HBO Max has had its own weird problems with the way that it was implemented and laid out and mm-hmm. what things are shown where especially cuz when it first rolled out HBO Go was still going which I think that's now been axed and all that content's been rolled over and it was its own confusing thing that it was really hard to keep track of but I mean I I will say cuz I am a subscriber of DC Universe mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago I logged onto the app and it's like so we're now offering you this new package deal where you can pick up HBO Max at a shorter at a lower price For as long as your as your DC universe is going, it's
0: (laughs) they're going to end up closing DC universe and putting all their shit on HBO Max. It makes sense. Running two streaming services
1: has always been a little weird to me. Um, I'm just I'm really curious what's going to happen to the thing I've mostly ended up using DC universe for, other than watching Doom Patrol, is the comics. That will probably be lost, which sucks. There's, um, there's a really good library on there right now. There's a lot of titles.
0: I, I mean it would be great if they transferred them over. that would actually be really good for just comic books as a whole to be like, hey, HBO Max people, you can now read as much old weird DCs you want. Mm-hmm. like that would that would get more people reading. But it'll probably be something more like the
1: Marvel Unlimited app will get launched of like,
0: yeah, reader, whatever, we don't care.
1: Right. I'm curious to see where it's going to go because I do read a lot of comics on there. But I hope it exists in some form that I don't mind picking up in some way. I really hope it's not some really, really shitty service compared to this.
0: Yeah, I realize I'm sounding super cynical here. Even though I'm like, no, change is happening. That's good. It's because I do not trust AT&T at all to give a shit about DC. The movies bring in a bunch of money, but nothing else really does.
1: Well, and kind of tied into this is rumors that AT&T might sell Crunchyroll to Sony. I did hear something about that. That is, huh? I don't know how that is. Um, they already have a weird relationship to begin with, because you can get Crunchyroll by itself. And but if you get it through, there are Crunchyroll titles on HBO Max, but not their full library.
0: <laughs> I don't like the AT&T Time Warner merger. It's just I don't trust AT&T to have any kind of creative thing.
1: I and mean, they kind of let John Oliver do his thing, but John Oliver brings them a lot of money. Um, yeah, I think we're still just going to have to wait to see exactly how this is all going to shake out, but it's big. People keep asking
0: me, like, what does this mean? And I'm like, don't know. No don't one know fucking yet. knows. Nobody know. Jim Lee doesn't know, and he has to do fucking interviews about it. I feel for that guy. Like, he's just like, please let me still
1: have a job. Right. Oof. God. So, uh, just a couple weeks ago, we had an entire show dedicated to talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. I liked that episode. We were we were pretty uh, optimistic about what the the Netflix adaptation could do, considering the creators were on board. And now that's no longer the case.
0: Yeah, they the complaints I'm hearing about them does not surprise me with what I've heard about Netflix because they were having major creative differences with Netflix. Argues about the. Um, the the creative direction and i've heard a whole lot of rumors about what that involves but it sounds like a big part of it was budget oh okay i have heard a few other things of them wanting to like age up the actors or um make it a little more actiony than like avatar's got a whole lot of like morality play in it that they wanted to keep and rumor is rumor do not know if this is true netflix was like no let's do this like as a big fucking action show which wouldn't work as well with Avatar. Right. I mean, it will still be real fucking cool. Um, I was less excited for this. Like I was looking forward to it. I was going to watch it. It was going to be worst case. I'll take just about any fancy I can get my hands on, but I was less excited about this than almost everyone. I know who was just like, fuck your yeah, avatar. Like,
1: we have that. See, I was excited since they were on board.
0: Yes. That was the thing that was making me like sweet. Like, it's not a choice. It's not the choice for new avatar content that I would have made. But like, I'll give it a shot. We're not going to get what I want. I just want another animated avatar
1: series. Right. Want the rated M avatar Kiyoshi killing the fuck out everybody series. <laughs> Maybe no. that's just me. <laughs>
0: uh, because they've been writing books from Kiyoshi's point of view. Like, Kiyoshi's story through novels. And I plan to pick up the first two audiobooks of that, so that's what I want, the Kiyoshi story. <laughs> no, I want... It could be farther on. It could be way further back. I just want a different Avatar. Maybe one that we don't have, that we haven't seen as much of. Maybe one that we've seen, like, in the background, but don't really have much
1: Right. Was on screen them. for, like, five seconds. Yeah, enough that we're like, oh, that Avatar. Yeah, I remember well, that one. one. Oh. That, oh, I think it was that one. I don't remember. Third from the back, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'll when it premieres, I'll still I'll watch an episode out. or two, but I'm not as excited as I was. Yeah, that's been... I've got friends that are just fucking heartbroken over it.
0: I'm like, whatever, guys. I, I read comic books, so bad remakes don't bother me as much as they seem to a lot of people I know, because I'm like, yeah,
1: whatever, like... So this is just a quick bit of casting news, but I thought it was really funny. Uh, Sean Ashmore, who played Iceman in the X-Men movies. Yes. uh, It's been revealed that he's playing the Lamplighter in Boys Season 2, who's basically their pyrokinetic Green Lantern.
0: I saw something...
1: So I like just the flip of that. I did you funny. see
0: the other one about? Uh, uh Jensen
1: Ackles has been cast for season three, even though season two hasn't even been dropped yet. Yeah,
0: they're real confident. They they do not doubt that they're doing a season three
1: based off the amount of acclaim that the boys well, got. Amazon Prime. I think Amazon it's Prime. been technically already renewed, which is why they're yeah. able to start casting. But uh, Eric mm. Krivke's is one of the showrunners who did Supernatural. So, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's going to be
0: interesting for Ackles. He hasn't done. He's done some voiceover work, but for the most part, he's just
1: done Supernatural for the past
0: 15 years or something. Since I was in high school.
1: Yeah, he Um, was part of My (laughs) Bloody Valentine 3D, and I don't know what outside of that as well.
0: But that's about it. Before that, he did some Smallville, but, you know, that was Smallville. It's been done since fucking
1: 2010, uh, um, he's going to be playing Soldier Boy. Nobody knows whether it's going to be like in flashbacks. He's the original Soldier Boy, or if he's like the current Soldier Boy, or whatever. But that's what we got. I I almost didn't want to cover this story because I don't play the fucking game, but I realize it's huge. Um, have you heard about the Fortnite and Apple? Basically, it's Epic Games uh, has had Fortnite pulled from the iOS store and the Google Play. I did not, I, I'm going to say I know nothing, I pay no attention to Fortnite, but not the like, oh fucking kids playing Fortnite, I just... Yeah, I just don't have any connection to it myself, yeah. but I realize how big it is. Mm-hmm. So it's The same
0: way that I don't
1: give a shit about League of actually I have feelings about League of Legends, bad ones. I am, this is really hard to to cover all the specifics of it, because it involves a lot of the way that it of it interacts between the different platforms and stuff. But basically Mm -hmm. Epic games who also not really an underdog, like they're also a multi-billion dollar company and have their own like publishing platform. I believe that they were created as kind of a like alternative to steam, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm up to date now. Um, and Epic games has the unreal engine. Oh, okay. Oh shit but they let anybody use... There's a lot of things that go into that, but Mm -hmm. people can use the Unreal Engine, and, like, on the Epic Games Store, they only take a 12% cut, from what I understand. And part of the problem is that, apparently, both Apple and Google take a 30% cut when you're playing on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. But the game is also able to be played on, like, your Xbox, your PlayStation, and that cut's not there, and... I don't know what fucking point they're trying they want a better deal for everyone across the board. They're not asking for like just them, but they're like this thirty percent is ridiculous. Cause it's not just the upfront cost, it's like every microtransaction in the game has that thirty percent taken off. So they're only making seventy cents for every dollar they're making of off the of it. fucking like forty two
0: million dollars they're making a week. Okay, so that's a fair point too. Um, I get it with Epic. I mean, they're not wrong. 30% is a ridiculous
1: cut for... Uh, Apparently, Apple's point is that 30% isn't that ridiculous, but they're sort of twisting it because I guess that's not ridiculous for up front, but that's like the first time you buy a game. It's not ridiculous for them to take 30%, apparently. But this is also going on with all the microtransactions, and with something like Fortnite, the game is actually free and they make money through hmm. microtransactions. I don't know. I've not heard great things about Epic Games, to be honest with you. And I don't crazy trust Apple. And uh... I know, that's the weird thing. And then it's also, apparently, everyone kind of agrees that Epic legally did... Fu- so the, the reason they got it pulled is they put basically a tunnel into the game where you could just go and click a different part of the... A different option mm-hmm. and you were buying directly from them rather than routing it through the either the they just had a little store, fucking
0: workaround
1: so they weren't oh man they were smuggling taxes or smuggling percentages and not only that but they're like and we'll give you 20% off because we're passing the savings <laughs> off to you oh shit oh no and wonder Apple was pissed when Apple's like yeah fuck that noise and Because of the, you know, all the agreements that they make and shit and all the sign, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like, you guys know you can't do this. And Epic was like, yes, we do know that. And as soon as they did it and had their fucking thing pulled from the store, which they knew was going to happen, they were ready with an animated pre-produced parody of the Apple 1984 commercial starring Fortnite characters. Because they're immediately trying this to weaponize the, weirdest, the fan base against Apple.
0: This is the weirdest story that I did not expect to have come up today.
1: Um, also, there's a lot of people pissed at Epic right now just for like not realizing how bad it looks to try to weaponize fan bases in the wake of Gamergate.
0: Weaponizing fan bases is really dangerous, and you're right, gamer. I didn't even put the gamer gate connection. I just thought that
1: it felt sleazy. But oh boy! Um. But then apparently, also, even though because of all the agreements that are signed, if this if this case was just as simple as this, like Apple'd fucking win, and you know it's either get your shit together and and acquiesce to uh-huh. the agreement, or you're not going back on the store. But it. I don't know how this works, but because of the way the interactions between the microtransactions flow across the different Mm -hmm. console, like, because you can play it on Xbox and have access to all the content that you unlocked on microtransactions through your mobile. Oh, so it's hardcore cross-platform. So because of that... Apple, there's some weird loophole where oh, right. Apple might be violating their own policies by taking them off the store for violating p- policies because of the way that their V-Bucks and all that shit interact. I hate everything about this story. I fucking do too. <laughs> I. Why, why would you prob- do this to me, Tyler? <laughs> it's probably going to result in a giant antitrust suit, or maybe not because, like I said, The the big inciting action. It sounds like Epic Games knew that they were shitting the fucking. You know, just they were shitting the bed, but they knew what they were doing. They knew that they were going to get pulled. They did this on
0: purpose to get the attention and to get the try to get whatever ruling they're hoping to get here, which I don't understand enough to even know
1: what they like what the ruling they want is. Well, that's the thing. It sounds like they're. It sounds like they don't want a ruling. It sounds like they want to make a big stink of it and immediately use public pressure to get Apple to back down and change their terms without it ever actually going to court. This whole thing just feels sleazy. I know, I hate it all. Like, there's not like...
0: I always want to be on the side of the creator who, who like, wants to make more profits off it. As opposed to, like, someone taking a huge cut. But it's also Epic
1: Games, yeah. So it's still gross. But there's and there's other grossness because I there's also because Apple, I mean, is shit too. Yeah, no, I am percent is big. I will never take Apple's side on things for the most part. But Epic does a bunch of shit, including I think a bunch of DRM. There is no
0: chance I'm ever going to get like famous or work for big companies. Not that there
1: was ever a big chance anyways. If they ever listen to this podcast where I'm like, Apple
0: sucks.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I just thought I should bring it up. And I think I got all the facts right. I had to read like four different fucking articles to put that shit together, including one that's just like trying to explain it to people like me that are trying to understand. (laughs) And I needed extra information just to try to put it all together.
0: All right. If... You know, you guys understand what's happening, and we don't, because we clearly don't. You can always message us.
1: Love to hear from you. And then I'm going to add, I'm going to end with one little fun thing. Um, coming up in just a couple weeks, we're getting the remastered Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. That's coming with a slight change. If anybody is familiar with skateboarding in general, or especially the games, because God, how many hours? I don't know. Oh, I killed so many hours on the original one. Uh, Do you remember the mute grab? No. One of the the tricks, you grab the front of your board with your forward hand while airborne. Mute grab, mute air, depending. And that's also been the name of it in the general skateboarding community since we were kids, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Invented by a skater named Chris Weddle. Recently... People were wondering kind of why, what he thinks of it being called a mute grab because, or a mute air, because it was kind of a weird, intended as a weird, I don't know, Ins- insult because he's deaf, but not mute. And he said he always kind of would have preferred that it be called either a deaf air mm-hmm. or a weddle or a weddle. <laughs> He's like, look,
0: guys, you can name it after me. And me being deaf, that's fine. But be accurate about it. No, I get that. There is something kind of (sighs) privileged about that name. And I'm not quite sure how to
1: put it. Uh, So for the remaster, they're changing it to a Weddle. And he's going to get the credit that he should have had for inventing the trick in the first place all those years ago. That's great.
0: Um, I... I really wish this game was coming out for the Switch. It's coming out for, like, everything but. I'm like, come <laughs> on. That's really fucking... <laughs> Tony really Hawk, guys.
1: I will be playing it
0: myself. I played a shit ton of that, and then I briefly... And I didn't own the game myself, so I couldn't... Never finished it. But the first Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, where you're actually, like, traveling around... Mm. Not Pro Skater... Uh, Tony Hawk's Underground, or whatever the right. hell it is, where you're actually, like going around an open world and, like, building a reputation, Mm -hmm. and it's almost a little like Grand Theft Auto Skateboards. I loved that game.
1: It was dumb, but it was great. The right dumb. Yeah. The right dumb. That's all I got. That's all my news.
0: That was actually a lot of news. I sound very angry today. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Let's... Take a break, and then we'll have something that I won't be angry about.
1: Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Non-anger.
0: So I might have told this story before that uh, wasn't that into comic books when I was a little kid. I thought superheroes were dumb. And I don't know why I thought that. I had literally no basis for disliking superheroes. Mm -hmm. And then I watched Batman Forever and was like, what just happened? And I told my friend in, like, the second grade about Batman Forever being like, did you know about this? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, come over after school and I'll show you my comic book collection. And I just fucking devoured it. And one of the ones he had was Web of Spider-Man by Kurt Busiek and art by Patrick O'Leaf. And I don't remember what issue it was, but it was one of the early ones and it's not that exciting an issue. But I was just blown away by it everything about spider-man spoke to me in that and he's like oh you can just have it and he doesn't have the cover i don't really want it there is that is like a moment in time that i can like look back and be like oh my road my life took like a turn on the road right there that you can like document right yeah
1: sure you can have this comic book that's awesome because I don't have that Spider-Man. I, lo- I like me some Spider-Man. Oh, no.
0: Most people people are like, why do you like Spider-Man so much? And, like, that specific moment is why I like Spider-Man so much, really. Like, as much as I love... That is why... As much as there's a bunch of other characters I love, Spider-Man is, like, my hero. He's similar to, like, who's your first
1: doctor for me. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, I, I dig me some Spider-Man. I've never went out of my way to read... A lot of Spider-Man. My Spider-Man collection is possibly the size of your comic book collection out there. It's dumb. It's dumb. I I did make a very big point to try to catch every one of the uh, '90s animated series episodes.
0: <laughs> that series drove me nuts in high school when I was still. I mean, I'm still the well actually nerd, but I tried to be like less douchey about it now. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, I love the Hobgoblin. I didn't like it when the Green Goblin tried to replace him, and I was like, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> Hobgoblin comes second.
1: Um, and uh, that instilled, in, I mean, and then I, I've made sure to, I have went out of my way to make sure to watch every one of the the Spider-Man movies that came out. Oh, yeah. As they were coming out, because they were, f- for the most part, good.
0: And then there was Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3, but that's okay. There are still moments I liked. Yeah, because Spider-Man 2 still exists. Oh, Spider-Man 2 is so good. And then the latest ones have been fucking killer. I am scared to watch Spider-Man 2 because I don't want it to be one of those movies where I go, Oh, I really liked this. Mm. And a lot of old superhero movies, like pre-Marvel changing the game superhero movies, feel like that to me. Oh. And so I'm really scared to watch Spider-Man 2 for
1: that reason, but I should because I loved that movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily have that fear myself because I always have that uh, anchor point of Blade that holds up for me. Yeah, Blade and Blade 2 probably hold up pretty great. Three doesn't. <laughs> Three never did though. Three so. was bad when we watched <laughs> it. Never did. Also, um, well, Spider-Man
0: 3 man. on our
1: thing. <laughs> and of course. The Spider-Man animated series introduced me to Blade.
0: Have you ever watched any of the like later Spider-Man animated
1: series that came out? Uh, well, right after that, they did Spider-Man Unlimited. Which I, was bad. It was bad, but I did watch um, the four episodes when they originally aired, and then it was canceled, and then it was later brought back on Fox Kids and ran the full 13 episodes of the first season, and I did watch all of those. I saw it on Disney Plus the
0: other day. And I was really tempted, like, I was looking at it like, do I want to try, because I love
1: Batman Beyond, and it was Mm -hmm. their failed attempt to Spider-Man, Batman Beyond, Um, Spider-Man. Yeah, I remember even when I was young not liking it, but I didn't have the other one anymore, so. Yeah, so you watched it because you wanted Spider-Man, I get it, but I was like, maybe like, I'll give it another
0: try, and then I just looked at like the stills, and I was like, I think I'm good. I don't even dislike the Spider-Man Unlimited costume he made.
1: But the storyline was garbage, and it didn't work for Peter Parker. We'll talk about the costume in a little bit. I have my own little thing I wanted to say about that, but I think it'll work better later as we talk about other things. In Unlimited? Yeah. No, believe me, it'll work better later.
0: Also, Spider-Man 2099 already existed. Why the fuck would you do Unlimited when you're trying, like, let's do future Batman. Oh, like, Spider-Man 2099? No. No.
1: (laughs) Fuck. But, but... Amazing Spider-Man 2 left a bit of a foul taste in my mouth. 3. I, oh, Amazing 2. No, yeah. that's not me. That's amazing 2 left a little bit of a foul taste in my mouth. Not just enough that when they announced it in the Spider-Verse, I wasn't super excited. I was really unsure about it because it was so dangerous.
0: Like, this movie could have gone... Everything about this movie should have been bad, but because it wasn't... It is my all time favorite superhero movie. It might be
1: mine too. It Um, beats Thor Ragnarok. Not by a lot, but it beats Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, but that's even like, I didn't even think of it as being like dangerous. I watched the trailer once before I saw it, and I was like half, it was like three in the morning, and I was half asleep.
0: It took me forever to get you to watch this movie. Yeah. Um, Because I saw the trailer and went from nervous to like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. I was like, Tyler, 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 you have to watch this movie. You're like, eh,
1: fuck, like, eh. And I had technically seen the trailer, but looking back on it, it was at a lens of being three in the morning when I watched it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, also, you don't have the same, like,
0: oh my god, Spider
1: Man, that yeah. I have. So then I finally watched it, and before the movie was complete, I had already ordered it online. <laughs> yeah, you did tell me that. You were <laughs> like, oh, it's just fucking. So that my 4K version would arrive later that week and I probably watched it about 11 times the first week I owned it. We finished watching it at the theater
0: and I had just been like vibrating in excitement for this movie for like a week beforehand. And Cece wanted to see it. She thought it looked good. But like, I watched this trailer a bunch. And she looks over at me and she goes, so what did you think of it? (laughs) And I just like turned my head slowly and went, I'm going to make you watch this movie so goddamn much. <laughs> <laughs> we watched this movie on my wedding night. Nice. I mean, we did all other, not going into that, but like, but got done with the wedding, like... got done with food, got in, and we're like, eh, ah, it's not bedtime. What do you, you want to watch Spider-Verse? We're like, yeah, I fucking do. It's already been a great day. Let's make
1: it better. Uh, yeah. Fuck. It's so good. Where do we start? What do you want to talk about at, about it first?
0: I've been trying to think of how to go over this. I think the first thing I want to do, because there's kind of two things I want to talk, two ways I kind of want to separate this. There's the what makes this movie special and the characters. And just thoughts I have of the movie, but we can work that kind of into the characters. But so I guess the first thing I want to talk about is kind of the animation style and the music. Because those are the two things that really bumped it up from like, It bumped it up to a real work of art. Um,
1: Yeah. Fuck. The animation is this superb. The story
0: I I heard is that, I mean, they hired one of the best animation companies in the world already, and then they went, we want you to break every rule you know of how people move in animation. They're like, no, we have these, not just like preset movements, but like all Pixar characters kind of move the same. They used basically the same engine for every movie in some ways.
1: They broke that fucking engine for this movie. There's, uh, they wrote so many different programs. I've, I looked through a few of the different interviews of some of the shit that they had to do. Uh, it's astounding, really. Um, well, and they've raised the game on when they say, like,
0: oh, this is designed to look like a comic book. That concept has existed for years
1: nothing has ever done as well as this one has done. No, before this, I would have said the best thing was probably uh, the Sega game, Comic Zone. The Ultimate Spider-Man PS2 game did a very good job, but nothing on the level of this.
0: The, the fact that the coloring is done in little, tiny, fucking dots. So it looks like the old, like an updated version of the old-school way of coloring comic books from, you know, like... Before we went digital with our coloring techniques, mm-hmm. that is the smallest detail that m- most people aren't going to think too much. They're just going to be like, "Man, this looks really comic booky." Like, well, "Holy shit!"
1: Well, and then Kirby dots.
0: Yeah, the fucking Kirby dots everywhere. The the use of the spider sense. They did the the thought panels, but they didn't overdo the thought panels. Uh, so, like, oh god, one of the best fucking lines is he's got the thought panels going on in his brain and he's just like, what's happening? And it's an amazing simulation of a panic attack. I knew it was something you broke out last night, Morales. He goes, play dumb. Who's Morales? No, not, not that, that dumb. dumb. It's <laughs> such a good joke. But they didn't overuse it or they, they use onomatopoeias. Like, he'll punch something and it'll pop.
1: So, I guess... Along with that is just the attention to detail. There's insane. There's an insane amount of Easter eggs hidden throughout it. First off, but all of this animation is done to serve what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the comic, the the more direct comic influences, uh, like the fucking thought thought fucking boxes, and yeah, uh, that doesn't come in till he has his powers. The animation changes when he has his powers. Sorry. Yeah, the animation changes. Uh,
0: the colors shift once he gets his powers a little bit. I mean, not entirely, but and then they shift a little bit more when he aligns with Peter. Yep, uh, the the use of color here is remarkable, and it worked in it, it. One of the he does graffiti a bunch in it, and it works in a pretty graffiti feel. The entire show, but particularly when it's dealing with Miles, in a way that's just amazing. Um, hip-hop and comics have always worked well together, and this shows why. hmm I used to think of comic books as punk rock, and they can be, but they also work super well
1: with hip-hop R&B. And hip-hop knows that. As I've said before, a lot of the rappers are huge fucking nerds. Like, uh. goddamn Wu-Tang Clan... Method Man goes by Johnny Blaze as well. So good.
0: Um, oh my god, that's so good. I didn't know that. I don't know Wu-Tang Clan for shit. I've been meaning
1: to like listen From to some Wu-Tang for years. Ghostface Killah also goes by Tony Stark. Also,
0: his name is Ghostface Killah. Like, which
1: is a reference to a kung fu uh, movie. It's the bad guy in um, the Mystery of Chess Boxing. It also just sounds like a comic book. Like it's it, the whole thing works. Uh, um, he also goes by Tony Starks and one of his albums is Iron Man and started with the Iron Man theme from the old cartoon. Oh, my God. See, yeah,
0: <laughs> the, it, this movie blends in so many things. And when they're like, we're going to do different styles for each character, different animated styles. It's like, I don't know how to feel about that. But it was seamless.
2: One the,
0: the uniting style that everyone has, even if they have their own individual stuff. Worked in fucking anime, Looney Tunes. Gwen Stacy almost looks like painted a lot, a little bit, yeah. Uh, while, uh, as I said, Miles has a definite like graffiti touch to him, and Spider Man and Peter B. Parker this one mm-hmm. has a just classic superhero feel the whole time. And, you should not be able to mix those and
1: uh, and Peter before he
0: and Peter before he dies. There's so many Ben Riley references. I'll get to that. And then Spider-Man Noir in the black and white, and like every once in a while
1: it looks out of style, but it just it still blends so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Well, I, and I was gonna say the some of the attention to detail, and you were mentioning like the 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 way that they would use the out of focus and the colors, mm-hmm. uh, chromatic shifts and stuff. Even just today when we I was watching a little when we were watching a little bit beforehand when the whatever it is, the collider, the generator. Yeah, the... Accelerator. The big, bad machine thing. The big, bad machine. When that's going and pulsing, like, the thing that our your eye is really quickly drawn to is the fact, like, it's causing things to fuck up across mm-hmm. the city, right? Those pulses cause things to go out of focus as they go across the screen. Yeah. Things go out of focus. They also bring out Kirby Dots, which we've already said, but I love
0: Kirby Dots, so I'm in it twice. Kirby Dots is the, like background energy like bubbles thing that happens in there in case you don't know and it was a very common jack kirby the absolute king of comics used them all the time in his style and it has affected comics up till into the spider-verse up till stuff that
1: came out this month yeah how are we gonna show energy kirby dots and it looks so good and i didn't know how you would bring those to life so well And it worked. Very well. And it worked so well. I will say Kirby dots are
0: a giant pain in the ass to draw, but they are less of a pain in the ass than a lot of, like, energy fields, starscapes. I like using Kirby dots for
1: space, personally. Mm. Uh, it just gives shape. And then... uh... Also on the side of the animation just like I said I I can't explain all of it and there's so much of it but some of the, reading just some of the shit that went on behind the scenes some of those 3D character models like you can't work some of the darkness and thickness of the lines into the model itself because then mm-hmm. it doesn't look right as it moves around they had to like create programs that would draw over the model at certain times without attaching it to the model. And that's pretty much never done. You just have a model and have it be affected by the way the room is around it. And they're like, no, we have to make it look how it would look on the page. That's Not insane. how it would look as it moves.
0: I want them to make so many movies of this. My biggest scare is using too many characters, but I actually will save that for the characters part. Um, also, we said the music is part of what makes it what it is. I can't talk too much to the music just because it's not I don't know music that well. That's my biggest weakness of knowledge base. I mean the sound I know I like The soundtrack
1: it. made me like Jaden Smith more, so.
0: Yeah? <laughs> that, that was that's a, good a song. Win,
1: that's a win for it by itself.
0: <laughs> the the what's up danger is it fucking astounding uh, it's one of my favorite songs now I, I don't dislike hip-hop i've never had hip-hop in my like top 10 songs and that mm-hmm. one's been there for a couple of years now because it makes me feel things i listen to it so often <laughs> it is my like pump me like before Bellagarth a lot i would listen to it because i was like i need to like get that i need to get pumped what up danger
1: Yeah, I listened to it a lot when I would do cardio at the gym, when I would go to the gym pre-COVID.
0: The moment where Miles has leapt, finally, like, kind of accepting his Spider-Man, and he's still holding on to the glass, but he's just jumping anyways and bringing the glass with him. And he does the, like, slow fall, and it almost stops, and What Up Danger is playing. And then right when the song takes off, he does the web shoot. It is the most beautiful scene in a superhero movie I've ever seen.
1: It's astounding.
0: Shot for shot. I'll hold that up against just about any animated thing I've ever seen. And, like, I think it can hold up. And that was even a trailer moment, wasn't it? It was a trailer moment. They based, apparently, like, they figured out that moment they wanted to do. And they based huge amounts of how the movie looked and felt to fit that moment. Like, that was their, like... This has to This work. is our thesis right yeah. here. Well, it worked well. Oh, my God. I, I wanted... I'm saving it until I get into the new house that we're working on and i have my own art room again but i'm getting the poster of him falling like that just i need it i mean like losing inspiration look at that
1: okay let's go i mean honestly this movie the first the, upon the first watch it gripped me i knew it was a work made with love and knowledge when it opened with the comics code authority stamp oh my god and i was like oh oh that's what this movie is it's this kind of nerd. I haven't seen the
0: Comics Code Authority. I mean, they.
1: Even Archie
0: stopped using it like 10, 15 years ago.
1: And it's the as last. They, as soon as that popped up on the screen, I was like, oh, oh, how did I miss out on this? Because I know what's coming next. I also. I, had, I didn't know what was coming next, but I knew that, like, this is about to, like, blow my hair off because. I had the thought, there's no way in hell this is actually going
0: to pass the Comics Code Authority. <laughs> And I am not sure where it failed, but it definitely failed. <laughs> oh, I do know where it failed. Okay. They used the word zombie. In early Comic Code Authority, you could not use the word zombie, which is why Marvel made up Zuvembis. God damn it, Zuvembis. <laughs> it was basically put in there because Eerie Comics, EC Comics, was the biggest comic book seller in the world, and all the other companies were like, fuck them. We don't mm. want them to be a challenge so they just made it impossible to make horror comics and easy was like hey what the hell but
1: different story it's one of my favorite comic book stories i just back to oh, it. that's it that's neat maybe it's time to at least mention like the fact that we we keep saying spider-man but we should if you don't like it's miles it's yes. not peter Let's This is the story of Miles.
0: Let's talk through the very basics of I don't know, like the first half, mostly going from like meeting character to meeting character. Okay. And then that means we start with Miles. The choice to make this movie Miles's movie is another one of those things that made it work as well as it did. I love Peter Parker. There is no character I relate more to. But it made it fresh. It made it, it made the hip hop work significantly better by having this. Is a my white ass is having trouble discussing (laughs) this, but like we talk about how representation matters. I read so many articles of black writers and black creators and black fans being like, I feel seen for the first time in a way that I almost never have been before. Like, we had Blade, but that was over 20 years ago and that is I can't take my kid to go watch
1: Blade. Miles has always been I love Miles. I think Miles is great and especially because of this movie. Miles is fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Miles was like the one exception to the big rule of when I hear a fucking Latinx last name of me rushing to it. Like When they changed Ghost Rider into Robbie Reyes. You were in. I was all about it. I was it. super unsold because they gave him a car instead. It works so It well. does work well. And I don't like cars. But when they put out Miles Morales, this is a weird one. So I didn't flock to it the way I normally do. And that's going to sound weird. Because of the... I wanted it to be for the Afro-Latinx kids first. Because... I get what you're saying. Because... They get the shaft way too often. Yeah, that's super fair. But uh, it wasn't because I don't want to claim him as Latinx, but you which want is it. the shit way <laughs> to to also interpret that. <laughs> like, it's there still can be, at times, a lot of colorism within the different communities. And, like, last week when we were talking Dragonlance, like, depending where Tannis is, he's half man.
0: Yeah, and... um Without going into real world politics, that's been coming up in the real world news, and people can be multicultural. Yes, like it, it being black, or being Latinx, or being white, or being Asian, is not, or being Indian or whatever, is not an end. Like
1: it, it, it's not an either or situation. But we, I mean, even in the past couple of weeks, uh, a Latinx performer that is extremely like pro all the Latinx causes for the most part, uh, very vocal in his social media that I follow, even made some statements that seem to very much overlook the Afro-Latinx community. Mm -hmm. And I'm even still just right now sitting here waiting, like, come on, man, like say something, like acknowledge that you might have fucked up a little bit on this statement. And so when I saw Miles, I was like, that's awesome. He's a Morales. I'm happy about that. I want it to be for them first. I'm, I'm going to stick to grabbing at Miguel O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> you could take Miguel O'Hara for my cold, dead body. I'm like, he's half Mexican. I'm half Mexican. I'm going to grab at Miguel.
0: Are you half Irish too? Like he is? No, or?
1: no. The other half's a huge mix. But.
0: Okay. I was just curious. <laughs> I had a friend that mm. was the, the same. Oh, as Miguel. Uh, And I was like, you really need to read this. And he wasn't feeling it, which is weird because he loved Doom 2099. But he's like, Spider-Man 2099, it's dumb. Of the two, I'll tell you which one's not dumb. (laughs) What I love is, because I have to be careful about giving Miles too much credit for, like, black representation. Because he was super made by a white dude. Oh, yeah. Because Brian Bendis and Sarah Pacelli created him. And they're both great. And I love Bendis' story of what made him create Miguel O'Hara, not Miguel, uh, uh, Miles Miles Morales. But it's still a white guy making, I mean, he also created Ironheart. And Ironheart got good when a black creator got to write about this black woman instead. And like, Muhammad Azrar's, not Muhammad Azrar, um, I'm blanking the guy who is currently writing Miles Morales. But he's great. Putting them in the hands of creators of color have made these characters come alive a lot more. Which, admittedly, I do not know if anyone in the making Spider-Verse was black. So I, I might be talking out of my butt again. I get super nervous talking about stuff like this because
1: I'm so white, guys. <laughs> so the the Brian Michael Bend is creating him, I might have a little bit extra information from that story. Do you know that story? I know an him- I, I entire story from, from beginning to end, actually. Because it has a weirder beginning than I think a lot of people realize. Oh, so good. Go ahead and tell that story then. That's well the the beginning beginning of the story. God, was it 2010 or 2011? It's when they announced Amazing Spider Man
0: was being made, but before they had announced who was going to pl- that Andrew Garfield was going to play Spider Man.
1: Right. When they announced that, I O nine did a look back on the five previous actors that had played live-action spider man mm-hmm. All white guys. The very next week, a writer who was writing for them at the time, that I had no idea... I was following the site, read this article when it came out, and later, like five years later, he became one of my favorite podcasters, and I didn't realize it till I went and looked who wrote this article. It's a slightly different version of the story than I've heard, but... Mark Bernardin wrote an article that... Uh, asked, why does ask, why does Peter Parker have to be white? There's only so many defining traits about who Peter Parker has to be. Why is everyone assuming... It, white is one of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and there is, I remember
1: that article, and there isn't really... Now, uh, during that time period, a lot of the articles on that site tended to have a little bit higher uh, page views and comment counts than they do currently. Uh, a well-received article... Uh, would usually have about a hundred comments on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that blew up a little bit more might have 500. This ended up getting about a thousand different comments. Uh, A lot of them were really nasty because the the moderating system wasn't as good at that time. And it turns out people are really racist sometimes. But one of them was a guy
0: suggesting Donald Glover. See, this is where it's a little different than what I originally heard. Uh,
1: I heard it with just Donald Glover on Twitter being like, yeah, Donald Glover for Spider-Man. One of them was a guy suggesting Donald Glover go up for Spider-Man. Mhm. Says so he'd be the perfect choice. Within before an entire week was out was when Donald Glover then started the Donald oh, okay. Glover for Spider-Man campaign. Uh,
0: so he tells this story on his Netflix stand-up special and you absolutely it's on YouTube. Find
1: it, watch it. It's so funny. It just blew the fuck up that he started that like 2 days after that article came out, something like that. um and then it didn't happen but dan Harmon then was inspired by that like he'd be a great spider-man was it uh episode two of the second season of community i don't remember what episode but he's wearing like spider-man pajamas which is then shown in into the
0: spider-verse that's so good and then to bring this back to the comic side is... Brian Michael Bendis sees that. It sees something along those lines of that. And he goes, that's the Spider-Man that I would love to see. I would love to have that story. And he goes, wait a second. I'm writing the best-selling Spider-Man comic right now. I could make that story. Uh, and he kills off Peter Parker in Ultimate Spider-Man, which at the time was Marvel's best-selling Spider-Man book brought Spider-Man back to their number one character when he wasn't anymore. In the 90s, the Spider-Man books were sailing for dirt and Bendis launches Ultimate Spider-Man and it's a gangbuster. It's a good series. I've read most of it, which is over a hundred issues. So that's, uh, I've read a ton of it. And it is a good one if you want to be introduced to Spider-Man without being devoted to like the canon. Kill Spider-Man brings in miles morales miles morales takes off not a little bit because sarah pocelli's costume is absolutely gorgeous so good and then spider verse made it better they like just tweaked a few things and it is the better version this is my favorite version of miles morales spider verse i think did it better than any comic book has which you guys have heard me rant about how much i prefer comic books to movies so that's saying a lot
1: I haven't read the run. I've read a lot of overviews. I feel like this movie streamlines it a lot better. (laughs) That is an
0: ongoing problem with Brian Michael Bendis, who controlled Spider-Man for uh, miles until he left Marvel. Mm -hmm. And he cared about Spider-Man a lot. So I am not like, oh, Bendis wouldn't. But like, it did mean he suffered from some of the Bendis weaknesses. He's a great champion. But where we meet Miles Morales here, to circle it back to the fucking movie that we're supposed to be talking about. Uh, we meet Miles. He's going to a fancy, expensive prep school, and he is just the classic awkward teenager. And it's so nice to see awkward teenager in Spider-Man without it having be Peter Parker again, because the way that they respond to things is completely different while still being super similar characters.
1: Yeah, Miles is a lot more likely to at least... Act like he's trying to be cocky when he's Miles. Mm-hmm. Like Peter gets that as Spider-Man. Miles, like they're both soups awkward, but Peter's just like,
0: "Oh my god, I'm awkward."
2: Miles, Miles still, still to tries play to play be cool, yeah,
0: and he's terrible, but he's so like he's gonna be real smooth when he's like twenty five. Hey. <laughs> I, like, he's the exact kind of nerd kid that you're like, you're going to be so fucking awesome when you grow up, but right now you're just painful to be around. It's just puberty. It's puberty. I don't think you know what puberty is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. It's nice to have Miles' parents. It is so rare to see married, loving people of color and a black Latinx family. Like, I almost said married black people they are happy but it's not it's more than that still because it's black Latinx family in the comics his mother is killed right and they later found a way to undo that because they were like that was a bad it wasn't intended to be a bad decision but that was a bad decision Mm -hmm. like that is you know a black kid with a murdered parent is such an
1: overdone trope Right. In this. So we've said Miles a lot of times. We should point out Shamik Moore plays him in the movie. Thank you so much.
0: We also meet Miles' dad, who's a awkward, like, awkward cop.
1: Jefferson Davis, played by Brian Tyree Henry. Who played his mom real fast before we talk about... Uh, Luna Lauren Velez as she, Rio Morales.
0: She is super charming. She doesn't get as much screen time as the dad does. I am hoping in the next one, we get more time with her because she's great. But I, there's already so much happening in this movie that I'm not surprised that one parent got more time over the other. And with uncle Aaron being related to the, to his dad, it makes sense that his dad got a little more billing in this. Yeah. So uncle Aaron, we meet her. Fucking kills it.
1: Herschel Ali kills it in every fucking thing he's in. I can't wait for him to be our new blade. He's supposed to even be good in that, like, weird white guilt movie that he did with Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, he's supposed to be great. The movie's just supposed to be weird. <laughs> like,
0: um. He was
1: great in fucking Battle Angel.
0: Yeah, he's just awesome. I didn't know about him until, was it Luke Cage that he's in? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And he's and just... Luke Cage loses his quality. him. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, now there's this other villain.
1: We're like, go back to Mahershala. Because he was astounding. And it continues to be... He's so good as Aaron Davis. And this does bring in...
0: Aaron Davis is not just a shit uncle. And he is a shit uncle in a lot of ways. In a way that I'm going to specifically bring here. In other ways, he's a really great uncle. But he's a shit employee... Because he's like, oh, my boss, the kingpin of crime, the most dangerous man in the town, if not America, if not the world, like 500 feet that way has a super collider. I'm going to take my nephew (laughs) to real close by so we can fucking graffiti and just hope he doesn't like wander that way to pee or something like
1: that's true. It's stupid close.
0: I didn't think about that really until I was watching it last night. I'm like, that is.
1: Just around the corner.
0: Beyond just being, like, terrible, like, being responsible for a child here, that is wildly unprofessional, Prowler. <laughs> but it is a really great scene of those two hanging out. You really do understand why Uncle Aaron is so important to Miles. And despite the fact that. There's some shady stuff going on with Uncle Aaron. You still get why he's important for Miles to have. Yes. Not absolutely. just Miles looks up to him, but like he is. There's definite ways that he is good for Miles.
1: Also, on the other side of things, how fucking badass is he as Prowler? I have never been
0: crazy fond of Uncle Aaron being the Prowler just because I really like Hobby Brown mm. as the Prowler. And the moment that he came in, I was like, oh, I'm going to lose Hobby. But he's so fucking cool as the Prowler. (laughs) And they bring in one of my other favorite, uh, Spider-Man villains. They bring in tombstone. Tombstone.
1: When I first saw tombstone pop up on screen, I almost shit myself
0: who tombstone might be the strongest character in the most underrated corner of Spider-Man's rogues gallery, which is the street level Dick Tracy villain.
1: You're going to, I don't know if tombstone speaks. He says, like, two words, um, but I, I was just trying to make sure of the guy's name. Who plays um, him? His name is uh, Marvin Jones Third. He is Tobias Whale in Black Lightning. Oh, shit, yeah.
0: Tombstone, as I said, I wasn't sure he said a word. He plays very much second fiddle, but it is still a very good depiction of Tombstone, and it would be a great to see in the next movie... Tombstone stepping up to fill some of the void, like part of the gang war to fill the void of King Bin being taken down. Mm -hmm. In the same way that Mr. Nobody was in the Spider-Man game, which you haven't played, so I'm going to stop talking about that. Mr. Nobody being another great Tombstone-style, like gang leader, mob boss villain that has to deal with Spider-Man because I love that combination.
1: Nice. I love the street-level Spider-Man. Do we want to hit them in the order they come in? Because we might as well just keep talking about characters right We now. do,
0: but I don't know if I want to talk about Doc Ock now or later.
1: Let's hit Doc Ock later.
0: Okay. So next up, he meets Gwanda. Do you... Do you
1: <laughs> have you noticed the first time you see her in the movie? Do we see... So... Uh, well, like I said, there's stupid attention to detail in this movie. And I'm not great at Easter eggs. Um... When he's first arriving at the school, there's a shot that starts out underneath the car and you see the feet of the kids as they're walking across mm-hmm. the crosswalk. One of them is the ballet slippers.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I did not know that. That's amazing. I was like, I'll go home and watch it and see it again. But I'm not. I can't watch it two days in a row. <laughs> I mean, I can, but, like, I shouldn't do that to my wife and my roommate. We like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, meet Gwen. Clearly, she's the even people who don't know who Gwen is, that they know something is up, that there's something going on with this character. I imagine
1: Well, spider Gwen, spider woman, ghost spider, however you want to call her, depending on which run and ghost spiders,
0: like the best name for her in character. But we're just going to call her Gwen or spider Gwen because that's. It just is what it is. <laughs> like for my money, she has the best suit out of all the spider people. Ooh. Ooh. Did you hear how bad the original suit design was supposed to be? No. So Gwen, St- uh, Gwen Stacy was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, but that's way back. back. Might've been Ramita. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it was still Ditko back in the sixties. Original Gwen, Big, great love murdered by Green Goblin. I have always been wildly against bringing Gwen back to life that she did get fridge to give Spider-Man like, uh, you know, she did get murdered to give Spider-Man character development, but it was such a good character development for what is honestly a really, the original Gwen is a cardboard character. Yeah. She's not that strong, but she is so big in Peter's life. And she is it, that scene is so important in comic books because it is the first time that the girlfriend in a of a major superhero died because the hero failed to save her. That that had never happened before. It changed comic books as much as the introduction of the Fantastic Four did in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, Gwen stayed dead, but they set up to do Spider Verse, the original Spider Verse crossover, and they start launching these sidebooks of different alternate spider-verses and dancelot the writer of spider-man at the time had the idea of like what if we got someone to do a spider-gwen just as he thought the name was good and it is it's great but he have his original design was classic gwen stacy is famous for like a miniskirt a sweater and a trench coat it's the costume she was wearing when she died it was the most common costume mm-hmm. for her to wear and he wanted that costume but with a Spider-Man mask and do it all in red and blue with the webs. And it's a bad costume design. Terrible. And it would have been like fun, funny, like would have been like, ha, that's kind of good. And then forgotten about that story forever. And then who is it? Robbie Rodriguez. Her original creative team is. Uh, Yeah. Robbie Rodriguez, Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. And Latour has been outed as a creep, which just bumps me out. Hmm. Because the two, like, super strong, empowering costumes that came out were both, the creators were both out as creeps. I'm like, God damn it, people. Because uh, Batgirl of Burnside. Oh. But he, they, they bring out this costume. And I think it was Rodriguez first who did it. Like, I don't think Latour was involved in the costume. And they just went, yep, do that. It's so much better. It is one of the most brilliant costume redesigns or costume designs of the past 20 years of comic books. It's so good. It is. It, it like the Spider-Man costume. It should not work, but it does. Spider-Man is way too complicated. a costume to work and it's brilliant. Hers is the same way. It's got like five different colors on it. Four different colors on it. It's got white, black, uh, either pink or magenta varying on like mm-hmm. different looks and then either blue or green kind of glowing White bits. uh spider webs on that. Yeah. That is complicated. It shouldn't work. It's brilliant. I don't usually like white in superhero costumes as a major theme because I just go, oh, that would get dirty.
1: <laughs> it gets so dirty, guys.
0: I don't know why that that's the thing that breaks me of all of superhero comic design. But like that one, I'm like, ah, I don't get dirty. I just But it's so
1: beautiful. So great. Oh my
0: god. But we don't know she's Spider Gwen yet, except that Everyone who has seen the ad is like, oh, that must be Spider-Gwen. it's got to be Spider-Gwen. I've seen the poster. That clearly is going to be Spider-Gwen. Uh, Haley Steinfeld is Spider-Gwen. She does fucking great. I'm sure I have critiques of this movie, but they're not big ones. They're hard to find. This is a podcast about
1: liking things, and this might be my thing I like most. She's the one that um, I think is currently pegged to be um, in Hawkeye. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! That makes me way more excited for Hawkeye. I'm not positive on that. Well, I don't know if that's officially went through yet, but she's the latest rumor. She's the current big yeah. name leading character. That'd be sweet. Uh, I
0: guess we jump forward. We kind of went back and for uh, backwards yeah. on Uncle Aaron and then Spider Gwen. But meets both of these characters, gets bitten by the spider. I love that he has the exact opposite reaction to Peter. Peter's infamous for being like, ah, and like all back and like passes out. And the, the very iconic image of him, like holding his hand out as he's bitten. And it makes perfect fucking sense because he just got bitten by a radioactive spider. That probably hurts like a bitch, but miles just slaps it. Just calm a slap. Like it's was already on. done. Brilliant, ca- uh, brilliant comedic moment there. It's kind
1: of like it's kind of my fault too because I just watched it happen. Yeah,
0: just like oh look at that—that's a weird looking
1: fucking spider. Ow, <laughs> um, dick. And the spider kind of just injects comics into his into his bloodstream because mm-hmm. that's the first time we see panels come up and that's the first time we we see it
0: glitch and we do the 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 style becomes way more hey, sensational
1: in this. I like that they still gave him, like, the closed outfit moment. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Uh, He wakes up. He starts, (laughs) maybe I hit puberty.
0: (sighs) But he really, like, he knows something's different. And it is basically the best depiction of a panic attack I have ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. The disassociating,
1: the what's going on, the awkward. We kind of, yeah, we talked about all the stuff with Gwen. And, Mm -hmm. well, we're not going to go into all the detail in the school because... It would take out. all day long. Yeah.
0: You know who we didn't talk about? Who we? Uh, no, he, perfect time to meet him is kind of next thing that comes up is first
1: Spiderman.:' Man. Is
0: meeting first Spidey Man. Uh, also, as CC point out, he picks up the spider and he's like, nothing crazy, just a just a normal looking spider. It's boring how normal it is and glitches like. Just take a moment to think about how weird that is for your life, on top of everything that's going on.
1: Right. Oh shit
0: we have the like because he realizes he's got Spider-Man powers Peter Parker Chris Pine and this is not Peter B. Parker this this is is Peter they give him a different initial but it doesn't really come up
1: yeah it doesn't come up
0: what I love
1: do you know who Ben Riley is? (laughs) the isn't isn't he a clone? he is the clone he's the clone of Spider-Man yeah like he's the clone that they then the clone saga clone the clone saga yeah
0: yes in the original appearance of the Jackal, there's a Spider-Man clone, and Spider-Man throws him into a chimney stack, thinking he'll burn alive. Mm-hmm. Not burn alive, his corpse will burn, because he thinks the, the clone is dead. And he has like a throwaway moment of like, is he the clone or am I? And then like, they're like, oh, that was a fun ending. And years later, they went, what if Spider-Man was the clone? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And the Clone Saga deserves its own episode for how fucking crazy it is. But another one of my first comics was a uh, Scarlet Spider comic book mm. uh, where Ben Reilly, the clone, has come back and he's taken on a new identity. And he wears a Spider-Man outfit that's like a lighter, a different shade of red. Scarlet has no webs and he wears a sleeveless hoodie over it. Yeah. With a big ass spider on it, and it is one of my all-time favorite superhero costumes, I and it's, it so not <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. It is not good, but it is so perfectly not good. It's so perfectly encapsulates an era of comic books and a feeling for me that I just can't get over it.
1: If we're going Scarlet Spider, I prefer the Kane
0: Parker. It's a much stronger costume. I like Ben better than I like Kane as Scarlet, but it's a stronger costume. Mm-hmm. Although
1: then Kane has moments of just looking like a hobo most of the time. Oh
0: yeah. Kane is the other clone of Spider-Man. But the reason I am mentioning Ben here is because especially the blonde part, the blonde and a little oh. less like whiny about his life is a very Ben Riley as Spider-Man thing. Cause for a while he takes over the Spider-Man thing.
1: Yeah. He's like, and he was
0: much happier to be Spider-Man than Peter is. Cause he, you know, lived a life thinking he was the clone. And for a while he thought he was the real Peter Parker, but he's like, no, Pete, keep your life. You built it. I've kind of become a different person since then, but I'm going to be Ben Reilly without the ennui of I'm just a clone mm-hmm. and I'm going to be Spider-Man again. And I really missed being Spider-Man. Um, and it was fun. It was, it was great to see a Spider-Man that wasn't eternally like bummed about the world. And then in Spider-Verse, they did a story cause they killed off Ben Reilly. Mm-hmm. And in Spider-Verse, they did an alternate universe where he doesn't die and where everything goes right for him. Okay. He's the Spider-Man that makes it. And they kind of mixed that Ben Reilly Spider-Man with Spider-Man from the original trilogy of movies. Cause they have several callbacks with this Spider-Man
2: we don't really To the talk Sam Raimi
0: Yeah. Or the the car coming through the window yeah. when he's talking to MJ and it's And the not, inverted kiss. And the inverted kiss. It, he is not precisely like he's not that exact Spider-Man. The inverted inverted kiss. Yeah. Uh but there is all sorts of stuff that that that
1: calls to it. He's the Spider-Man that got it right. He's like the he's like the hero version of Spider-Man that you just generally think of mm-hmm. when you're not getting into the super specific details, when you're just of like, everyone Spider hates Spider-Man, Spider-Man did this. Yeah. He's that Spider-Man. He's
0: so good. He sings, he does a fucking Christmas album, which is so, f- so fucking good. funny, <laughs> but you meet this Spider-Man, he promises he's going to help. And then he fucking bites the dust and it's hard to watch. So, also, I can't believe they got Chris Pine to come in. How much did they have to pay him for this?
1: I don't know. So there's three different parts of this movie that have made me cry, but it was never on ever on the same viewing. Okay, that's right. That's a lot of crying for one movie. The first one was, and the only time it happened was Stan. Oof. Stan always makes me well up a little bit. Stan doesn't
0: get me as bad. The thank you to Stan and Steve at the end uh, of it breaks me ever because i always forget about it
1: see for me it's stan saying he was my friend
0: that is so good i do i well up a little bit but the bit that makes me actually like i'm gonna fucking cry
1: because it does steve too so it's mm, two yeah. people that i have such feelings about but one that's gotten me on on a like a repeated viewing it probably hit mm-hmm. me like five times in and it was something i cute i was listening to some podcast and they, somebody had mentioned the lion and I, I paid more attention to it and one of the like there comes a point where he knows he's like, gonna he's die gonna, he knows he's gonna die and he's getting to say these last things to miles and one of the one of the things he focuses on is making sure miles knows to keep the people he loves protected and he's like you have to wear a mask you have to keep them safe that is classic spider-man and it's the, the reason it and I didn't meditating on that, like, can make you really well up. <laughs> like
0: It's the reason I didn't like that in Civil War Spider-Man outed his public identity. It was never going to work on the long term. Mm. Other characters can work. With Captain America, it wasn't a big deal. Like it was a good strong moment, but afterwards you're like, eh, yeah, whatever. But with Spidey, his much like Superman, who also recently outed himself, and I don't feel like it's gonna stick. Such a thing that makes Spider-Man work is MJ and Mary Jane. It's the 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 real life of Spider-Man on top of Peter Parker on top of being Spider-Man. So having him protect that was very strong, and then also tossing in like simple pieces of advice too that were kind of
1: yeah. Although then I love the. I love that they just make a joke of the advice, though. Then with Peter B. Park.
0: Oh yeah, which we'll get to
1: that in just a second. But it's also
0: all super practical. <laughs> Before we get there, Kingpin.
1: I'm truly not sure. This is either my first or second. The other favorite. being Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah.
0: And that was what was the last time they had used Kingpin. Was Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Daredevil, which is brilliant. So it's perfect. I have so good. He is what makes Daredevil. Daredevil season two, I'm like, this is kind of a mess. They introduced Kingpin, one of the best episodes of the series as a
1: whole. And then the third season, and you finally get the. Face
0: and you off. get more Kingpin. Vincent D'Ofrio is amazing, and they did a very smart thing of going a very different route, where that Kingpin had been so personalized, human. They went literally over the top with him.
1: And he's just New York tough guy.
0: New York tough guy. And he's so big. He's a box. Yeah. (laughs) His design. That would be the most painful body to have. That is like, please kill me. But it is so, it is iconic. It's perfect. This Kingpin must have superpowers. Yeah. Usually Kingpin doesn't. He's just a big tough guy. But he's like throwing fucking cars at people.
1: Yeah, this Kingpin... (sighs) is it super strength at least and the like super strength on top of that frame, just the size of him lets
0: it. So you can be a black screen with just his face and a little bit of the, the tie, the tie. And it is such a beautiful scene and it, but it doesn't look weird or out of place just because this really over the top character design allows for it. Mm -hmm. The clicking of the pen as the like kind of nervous tick as he's preventing his own panic attacks. Yeah. Panic and Fear is a way every character in this suffers from it in a really big way, or at least all the main ones.
1: And that was uh Shriver.: Schreiber. Oh. That,
0: that was Sabretooth.
1: Cart- yeah, that was Sabretooth.
0: Oh my god. Prove he can act. Yeah, that um, was the
1: director of Everything Is Illuminated. Fantastic movie.
2: I did not know that.
1: Yep. He's way more interesting a
0: creator than I was giving him credit for. And this is where I guess we meet Peter B. Parker. The man that proved that Spider-Man... I could relate to Spider-Man in ways that I never thought I could. Yeah, uh, Jake Johnson. I did not know I needed, like, middle-aged, sad, broken Spider-Man. But I did. And it kind of makes sense. I have always been more in favor of the more adult Peter Parker. Like, there's this theory that the biggest mistake they ever made with Spider-Man was having him graduate high school. And I disagree. I kind of like Adult Peter too. I like getting to see him as a high schooler. That's great. But I like Spider Man as like maybe just out of college. College age is fine too, but I like just out of college. That age where most people have become adults, but they're still not sure what they're doing with themselves. Mid 20s, kind of. Mm-hmm. Is a perfect age for Peter Parker, as far as I'm concerned. This is older. And I didn't know I needed that until I got older and
1: then suddenly had older Spider-Man. I was like, yeah, this is perfect. Well, and I also just kind of like experienced Spider-Man rather than Spider-Man having to figure out everything still. Mm-hmm. And he is so burnt out and he's so busted and Spider-Man has still
0: has fucked up his life so hard because he had trouble growing up and, you know, getting over his fears. In very awkward understanding ways. I am not facing the microphone very well in this <laughs> episode. I apologize if the sound is fucky. But he's still so good at it. He doesn't yeah. even try anymore, but he's still just an excellent Spider-Man.
1: It's so funny. <laughs> also, like, some of the best fucking... His intro sequence, when you see him in his throes of depression... It's so nar- funny. With the narration over top, is some of the best dark comedy I've seen in a long time. Him
0: crying in the shower in his Spider-Man outfit makes it so much sadder
1: with a fucking piece of pizza still hanging on the edge.
0: Yeah. Or like he's being sucked into the vortex and the two things he grabs is his mask and a piece of pizza and he doesn't get the pizza. And you're like, he's the one that's just like, fuck, I'm not excited about this anymore, but I'm still doing it. it. And watching him kind of remember why he likes being Spider-Man and also like, he can still be more than just young man, Spider-Man, the the things that make him Peter, the things that make him a great Spider-Man is what makes him a good Peter. And like, Oh fuck, I have
1: to be a good Peter as well as like, well, and so a big part of the movie is one of the things about being Spider-Man is you're the one that always gets back up again. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is a Peter that hasn't yet. And that's the thing. Like, Miles is learning to get up for the first time. Peter B. Parker's having to learn to get back up. And it was a good way of showing the cost of being Spider-Man beyond just you could fucking
0: die. hmm Like, this is the cost even if you survive. Like, you could be
1: old-ass hobo janky Spider-Man, as Miles puts him. And so, also, with him having to learn to get back up it makes sense that he has to get tripped back to his own dimension so that he has to get back up. There.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, God, it's so good. There's so many levels and he is the Spider-Man that he doesn't at this point in Peter's life. He's not feeling the great power leads the great responsibility feel.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: doesn't have the like truth and justice feel as much as he's still doing it. Cause he's still Peter. He can't stop himself from helping people even when he doesn't want to. The, the He's like, I'm not going to help. I'm not going to. Oh, God, fine. Come on. Yes. But the way he helps him is the stuff that he needs to know, but not the, you know, truth, justice, American way stuff. The savior energy. Take a bus if you have to. It's OK. The put on the baby powder. Take the moment to enjoy this really good burger. Mm-hmm. Be super chill about it. He's got the great line where he's telling him what he's going to do. Uh, and he's like, I'm going to follow the lead scientist. He goes, oh, it's the lady. He goes, cool, I'll observe uh reobserve my personal biases at the same time. Yeah. It's such a good line. It's a really, like, what you have to do to be a good ally. But it's just so, like, comedically per- perfectly timed while also being just
1: pure Peter Park. Oh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, uh, the fact that they end up having to go... And Get That also really gives us our first intro to now bringing up maybe Doc Ock. This is the best... I keep being like, this is
0: the best version of this. This is the best version of Doc Ock of all time. Suck it, Otto Octavius. Yeah, Superior Spider-Man. I'm not a big Superior fan. We've covered this. (laughs) But part of it, I admit, eat it, Superior Spider-Man. Seriously, do. But... One of my first comic books ever, The Scarlet Spider, I was talking about, there was a Lady Doc Ock at the time. So I've always liked the visual of a Lady Doc Ock, but Carolyn and Traynor, no one ever did much with her. Partly because she was caught up in the Clone Saga, which was a fucking mess. This is a great way of kind of doing Lady Doc Ock and still having her be dangerous and calculating
1: and awesome. Oh, she was amazing. And kind of empowering in a weird fucking way. The Character design was great. The fucking, the beehive making it look like An octopus head with Mm -hmm. her fucking goggles there. And changing to,
0: I'm back and forth on the, like, not metal tentacles, but it also was super
1: cool. I'm not positive how much I like her tentacles, but I like that it wasn't metal. Metal. I like metal tentacles better. I'm glad they made the choice to change things up. I I think I would like some sort of, like, black metal cable of some sort. Or not metal, but black cable of some sort. You should
0: really play the Spider-Man game where he
1: has like black with yellow highlights on it and it looks so good. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not positive though. I do like hers quite a bit. It's good. I kind of liked seeing something not met, just straight up.
0: As I said, it was great to see a change even if I think my favorite is the metal Mm Because one of my favorite is Eric Larson drawing him because he would draw him in, like, just a normal suit, just going about doing normal stuff. He'd be, like, drinking coffee while his tentacles are going all fucking over the page and Spider-Man's, like, diving around. So, like, <laughs> it was the most chill Doc Ock of, like, yep, okay, doing my thing now. Oh, oh look, that fight's going pretty well. Like, I'm um, good at this. <laughs> because he is. He's a very, he's not my favorite Spider-Man villain, but he's one of the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. And she was also One of the most dangerous. Uh, And the scene where they're trying to escape, and she's just beating the shit out of him. And he's like, it's okay, buddy. Everything is
1: fine. Them escaping gives us the best onomatopoetic of all time. Bagel. Bagel. Stealing a bagel. (laughs) Did you ever
0: notice that? Yeah, when uh, Miles throws the bagel at them. And also the the thing that the uh, scientists freak out about is, he's stealing a bagel. Yeah. I'm trying not to just say every joke that I love so much, but oh my God, there's there. And then they do the official. We talked about Gwen already. Yeah, we talked about Gwen. We get the great costume. We see her, the, the rock and roll ballet combo that they work in for her is just Mm -hmm. perfect. They eventually go see Aunt May. Love Aunt May in this one. I I love when Aunt May knows he's Spider-Man because it gives her an agency that she deserves to be a strong character. Just in her own right. I mean, she already is, but, like, letting her into the secret. Uh, And it was Lily Tomlin as Aunt May. Excellent job. And we meet the three. (laughs) The rest. (laughs) And I don't know how much further I want to go into the movie after we discuss the three. Just because I don't want to discuss the whole movie. I think I want to talk about Penny Parker first. Okay. And I have a reason why. Penny Parker, created by... Gerard Way, I think. Yep. My, of my, of my Chemical problem. Romance.
1: Did is it actually announced. it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just garbled that out while you uh, actually said it.
0: Who knows? It's fine.
2: <laughs>
1: you're, you're
0: just the base to that. Um, I had a moment when we were watching this, and I was like, I really like Penny B. Parker. I like the anime Spider-Girl. I like the change in it. But I feel like you could take this movie out, like, take her out of it and change nothing. And the room went silent. And I think I've said that on this podcast before. I I feel like she is the most underused character. Mm-hmm. And the room went silent, and I was went, oh no, did I just get super misogynist? And I think I did to an extent, because I got a long talk from UE and CC about how, like, that's true of fucking Spider-Ham and Spider-Man Noir as well, but like And I felt like she was underused and I was pointing out that part of this might be the fact that she talks less than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And I know there are several people who she was their favorite part. She has a robot that is powered by a powered spider. Who she has a psychic link to. Which she has a psychic link to that gives her the spider sense. It's fun, it's a great idea. And as I said, I want more of it. I am not saying Penny is bad. But we think that part of the problem was when I see Spider-Ham and Spider-Man Noir, there are those comic series that existed that I've read that made me go, oh shit, it's Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. Penny was what, one shot? One shot and I think a second shot. She's appeared here and there, but she's had a grand total of 10 comic appearances, maybe. And I'm being super generous there. Spider-Ham had like a 20 issue series. Spider-Ham did, of all people. Yeah. We'll get to that. So I didn't have uh, so for people who didn't have that same like holy shit they're actually doing Spider Ham,
1: Uh, which was kind of what I said. It's
0: like holy shit. Yeah, for those of us who like know that Spider Ham already existed on a much bigger level, it felt more powerful than it did to me with Penny. But people who don't have that prior experience went like Penny felt just as big to them as Spider Man Noir or Spider Ham. And it's true. You could cut pretty much any one of those characters out and not lose a major plot point.
1: No. No, they're kind of just the spider dress.
0: They're there stuff. to add to it. And they're so good. That's, I love all of them. I just, I wanted to talk about that moment because it was a definite making me like, let's re-examine my personal biases a little <laughs> bit here.
1: Um, Penny explained her. Yeah, she's Do also you have from any, the future. Yeah. I don't. I don't... I like Gerard. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy that one of his things made it into this amazing movie, but I have no real connection to Penny, especially when I'm seeing Spider-Ham and Spider-Man Noir up on the screen, and when fucking Spider-Man Noir is goddamn Nick Cage. Yeah. Um. And again, like, I'm not saying... Nothing just, against Penny, but goddamn Nick Cage.
0: The others felt more powerful to me, and there could be some internal misogyny there, but it... Uh, I don't know. She... I wanted not, more from her. It wasn't anything against Penny, and that's the part I keep awkwardly trying to say. And I should
1: change the subject now. <laughs> well, I have okay. Go ahead. Uh, well, let's let's talk about the other two first because there was one other thing with Penny. Because there was when I saw Penny, there was one other character that I wished was in her place way more. We'll get there. But, I know who you're thinking. Yeah, of. but I know. I, I, I want to ask you if there was anybody else that you want to add to the team or take. You know what your team would be. But
0: Spider-Man and Spider Noir. Okay, let's do Spider-Man Noir next. Yeah voiced by nick cage and i went holy shit really when they and i knew he's a big comic book fan but still holy shit really
1: right like are you shitting me well and i think when i finally watched this i had just gotten done watching mandy which is a completely different nick cage performance mm-hmm. that is wild well and he was my favorite part of kick ass mm. like Fucking, that's so good
0: uh, <laughs> so good And it's weird, because I've read all of Spider-Man Noir, or at least all of the original Spider-Man Noir. I have the the collected editions, where he was much younger and darker. So turning him into a comedic character was like, yep, we get to admit that he's a goofy fucking character. But still letting him be, he is so noir. Yeah, hard-boiled eggplant. Oh my god, he does the radio voice and everything.
1: So good. Well, and he gets... So Spider-Man Noir gets one of my favorite moments in the movie and that's that he solves the Rubik's Cube.
0: The whole Rubik's Cube was beautiful moments of quiet comedic genius. Uh the when you first see him they're like is it is he black and white? Is it how is it windy in here? We're in a basement. <laughs> you got to play with the these three were so good cuz it shows how much you can stretch the Spider-Man concept and still have it be Absolutely perfect. Like he works and, in anything. And they instantly recognize him. Part of the strength of Spider Man is you can put him in the funniest fucking story, or you can put him in Goddamn Craven's Last Hunt, which is one of the darkest comic books I've read in my life. Oh, it's so dark. It's so good. Not like ultra violent, but it's so dark. dark. And he works in all of them. He works, you can put Spider Man in a space story. Or a science story, or a street-level gang war story, or a magic story, and he works in all of them for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. They made Spider Man India, and I liked that series. It was way better than it had any right to be. Hey, I've I've seen some panels from him. He's cool. He's like I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I'm reading and being like, God damn it, this is really good. Um,
1: hey, do we have anything else really to say on noir other than he's no? Decayed?
0: He's another one where you could have taken him out of the movie, and other than some really great jokes. Doesn't change. It doesn't change a thing. And then,
1: uh, it's got spider ham, spider ham, (laughs) whose power is
0: basically like he's Spider-Man, but his power is that he's a Looney tune.
1: Yeah. Yeah. His power is he's a fucking tune. You get an anvil drop.
0: You have a problem with cartoons. I'm quoting this movie too much.
1: Uh, you get his fucking just hammer space, pull anything (sighs) the fuck out of. That's a critique I have of this movie. Okay. They had Chekhov's gun.
0: And then they never pulled it because he gives miles his hammer.
1: Oh, he goes, yeah. I
0: want you to have this. It'll fit in your pocket. And it's funny. But then I always felt like that. He should have used spider or spider ham's hammer somewhere. Right. Pulled it out and like hit kingpin. And then it gets knocked out. Fine. Whatever. That would have we been all, but like one coming. and that's great. I just felt like they set up for us to, for that to be used. And then they never pulled the trigger. Uh, yeah. Fucking spider hams. It works because John Mulaney, John Mulaney one of my favorite standup comedians. Mostly thanks to what is that? Uh, kid gorgeous at radio city hall or it's a really good one. Yeah. Like his other ones are good, but that one is it's next really level.
1: One. Um, I mean, shit. I just said that I've been watching
0: big mouth all week. Yeah. You've been watching right before this. We watched the, if you can find it, look up the John Mulaney spider ham outtakes where he just curses up a storm
1: like, I've been Spider-Ham for 30 fucking years! Oh, uh, I should also bring up, it was Kamiko Glenn as Penny Parker. Thank you. And Catherine Hahn as Olivia Octavius. Ooh, thank you. I didn't know that was, I, I didn't know that, that was Catherine ha- Hahn. Shit! Okay. <laughs> it's a
0: great voice act. There's a perfect voice acting cast. We get these three, as we said, any one of them can be taken out, and the movie would have been lesser for them, but... We wouldn't. You wouldn't have had to actually change that much, but they're so good. Oh my god! In the background, you see all the Spider-Man outfits in the kind of like Batcave mm-hmm. setup. The Insomniac game Spider Ham, or not Spider Ham? Spider-Man, Spider-Man. costume is in it. Uh, the uh, Kane Parker. Red mm-hmm. the Scarlet Spider outfit before it got changed color changed and his original like black and neon Tron looking shit is in mm-hmm. there. The armored Spider-Man outfit that Marcos Martin made with Dan Slot is in there. The uh I think Spider-Man Unlimited is in there, but I'm not certain. I'm not
1: positive. I'd have to look at it. I
0: think I'm wrong, and I think there's just something that has some like
1: that kind reference
0: of to it. Yeah. Uh there's the Spider Man with the cape. There's, I want to say, a blue Spider Man that might be kind of. Uh, it doesn't have the Fantastic Four logo on it, but if there's a blue Spider Man outfit, it's Fantastic Four Spider Man. <laughs> Bagman. Oh, amazing. Bagman is so good. Uh, when Spider Man got rid of the venom symbiote. He was naked at fantastic four tower. So he put on a Spider-Man or not Spider-Man, a fantastic four uniform that an old one. And then he's like, what do I do for a mask though? And Johnny storm, the human torch, who's his best buddy. I love the Johnny Spider-Man relationship because they hated each other as teenagers. And then they went, Oh fuck. We really like each other. We're like best friends. (laughs) Fuck. Um, puts a bag on his head and puts two holes on it. He's, you're you're the amazing Bagman now. And it's like a one panel joke that they have been referencing ever since forever. It's uh it's in every Spider-Man game multiple times it's popped up of someone being forced him being forced to become the amazing Bagman mm-hmm. again. Uh, <laughs> should
1: we do we point out the last Spider-Man in the
0: Yeah, we've mentioned it before. We have to talk about Miguel O'Hara, Spider Man 2099. Yeah, Miguel. Who is another one of my all time favorite superhero designs. When it comes hate- to like actual all time favorites, he's in my top 10, and Scarlet Spider's just in my I hate it, but I love it category.
1: I, uh, even for me, I find the multiple skulls that there is design a little bit too edgy for Spider Man. It's Spider-Man. too over the top, but I've read a bunch of Miguel, and he's
0: such a different. Spider-Man, then I'm less bothered by it. He's a much angrier Spider-Man than... Uh, I do like his redesign later. See, I don't like the redesign as much. I feel like adding the white color was just
1: too much. I like that it's still, like, is the futurist... Like, they have the the really harsh, like, white, black, and red, but then they still have the futuristic, like, blue glowing bits.
0: The... Because...
1: I like the classic
0: one, and you could simplify the skull spider design a lot. Mm-hmm. The fact that it makes me think of a Skulltola from uh, Legend mm-hmm. of Zelda, Zelda might be a sell for me, but I can see how it wouldn't be for other people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But he's got kind of a skull spider design. He's got almost the Batman kind of like arm blades, and the, the mask is absolute fire. I love the way that they get the feeling of the Spider-Man eyes without doing the Spider-Man eyes. I have been meaning to make a leather helmet of it for years. Do it. I will. I just got the I need to make things project. You've seen just the (laughs) podcasting list, you motherfucker. Like uh, we need to set up a Patreon so I can have excuses to do that. Patreon upcoming people. Hint, hint. But you said you're a big Miguel fan, even I, if you think he's over the top.
1: I dig Miguel. I like I like just how different he is compared to a lot of the others, because he's <laughs> gripping with talons. He's gripping with talons. He doesn't web shoot much, even though he has it. He can kind of... He's had one series where he's had, he's had spider sense. Yeah, he can glide, and
0: he can poison people. Yeah.
1: Uh, he also has a hard time speaking without giving the fact... That the way, way that, that he has, he has fucking fangs.
0: fangs. What I like about Miguel is his Spider-Man is a very serious character. His Spider-Man doesn't joke a lot, but Miguel jokes a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, you know, Peter's more serious, Spider-Man's where he, I mean, Peter still makes jokes, but like, Spider-Man is a joke machine. Yeah. Miguel is a much quieter Spider-Man, but Miguel talks a lot. Mm. But he's too scared to make jokes, so he's just like, okay, let's go. (laughs) Do it. But with the like more intimidating design, everyone thinks he's like the
1: badass Spider-Man. He's like fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, his design is probably the most intimidating of all the almost all the spider people. Depending on how much we want to count, like some of the villains and stuff.
0: He's in the uh in the after credit scene. If you're a little confused on this, if you somehow never watched that, which I just watched the credits because the credits are pretty. Well, like Oscar Isaac. I want him. To do that so much. And that brings us into, do you, as we're way late into the series and we're still already starting a new category, are there any Spider-Men that you would bring in? I wanted Silk.
1: I still want Silk. I really like Silk.
0: Silk is great. Her costume is another one that's very good. Marvel's done a really good job of keeping strong spider costumes without being
1: a slave to Mm Spider-Man. Although, to be... To be honest, if like they're going to do it in, into the Spider-Verse, like in this universe, mm-hmm. I would want the Silk to have the, uh, the genetic sexual attraction problem with Miles.
0: I just want them to not have that. <laughs> I just don't want that.
1: If they're going to have it, I would want her to be related <sighs> somehow to Miles. So, real quick,
0: because this makes this sound super weird, and it is, Silk is a character named Cindy moon created by Dan slot and Humberto Ramos. She was also bitten by the spider. Like he does his freak out. The spider escapes and doesn't die. Like they thought it does goes on bite someone else and then dies. Like it's still is dying. Mm-hmm. She becomes a hero in her own right. And f- briefly they have this strange thing where they have a strong genetic attachment to each other of, they both have spider powers that just makes them want to fuck like bunnies. And it was weird to me.
1: I felt... See, if it happened in the Spider-Verse, I would want it toned down a lot. But I think, especially because, like, Miles was starting a little bit of a flirtation ship with Gwen at the end there. I wouldn't have a problem with Miles
0: use, having a thing, where, or Miles and Cindy it, flirting.
1: I just don't want it... I think you could use it... I don't want just, like, a love triangle for love triangle's sake but I think if you had the genetic angle worked in there you could use it to make a statement on what is worth it when you're looking for something in a relationship rather than just instinct I get that I just
0: and that's actually a really strong argument I'm sorry that sounded super Mm -hmm. I get that but um, I think it takes too much agency away from Cindy Moon to just have her be genetically attracted to the main hero right I that's the that problem too. I yeah. have with the whole and thing. And I get
1: that too. Yeah.
0: Um but if you're going to do it the way you're describing is strong. I would just do a kind of a Cindy Moon who's interested in Miles or at least just flirty. Mm-hmm. Puberty's actually hitting. That makes it like that that it would give her more agency than just blah. We've discussed that. Silk is a great
1: one. Also Kind of off the wall, but I think it'd be interesting to mix up what, once again, kind of like what Spider-Man can be. Because, like, you, you've you mixed it up, like, with Penny. Do the original uh, Aranya, where she grows the carapace and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty
0: cool. Uh, she later becomes Spider-Girl. The carapace design was more interesting. The later redesign is actually stronger. Mm-hmm. But you could, like, mix the two and make a really rock-solid design. Ronnie is another girl with spider powers. She gets them through the spider cult or something like that. There was a a brief time where they were trying to add a slightly mystic edge to Spider-Man. And other characters ended up taking that on stronger. Kane did a bit with it. Arania does a bit with it. Cindy Moon does a bit with it. And it's all better that way Mm -hmm. than it is with Peter. It doesn't work well with Peter but there is nothing wrong with having some kind of, like, mystic Spidey. Mm-hmm. The Great Web of Life was a strong idea. It just didn't fit with Peter super well. I guess we should talk about real quick of possible was ones. Is there that anyone
1: you would want to put in?
0: I have... N- yes and no. The reasons why is, I, as I said, I already feel like this is stuffed to the gills with characters. And there's no character that I want to take out. Gotcha. Which means I don't really have anyone, like I don't feel like there's room for more. Yes, we've shown that Endgame has shown that you can have like 60 characters in a movie, but I'm not sure that's a positive. There's aspects of Endgame or Infinity War that are fun, but I much prefer smaller pieces where you actually get time
1: to like look at the characters. Okay, well, we're, how about this? We're doing, we know that they're doing a sequel, mm-hmm. so going forward in the sequel, as much as we may want him back, you could make the argument where like you wouldn't get Peter B. Parker back because now he's back in his own universe taking care of his shit. Yeah, um, where you'll have it more driven by like Miguel because we saw him at the end
0: Miguel would be fun I have ones that if I got to choose who I would bring like if I had like to bring in new ones I would in bring in, in. Miguel obviously the mm-hmm. biggest one. He's one of my favorite Spider-Man the Spider-Man game I always wanted to play was three different universes Spider-Man Noir, Sp- uh Spider-Man 2099 and uh, Peter Spidey mm-hmm years before spider-verse came out it was like shattered dimensions or something it's a bitch to find i don't think it was very good um but i've always been a big fan of may parker spider girl the daughter of spider-man okay from the mc2 line written by tom defalco and again by patrick O'Leaf, who did the web of spider-man book i was talking about it ran for over 100 issues which is amazing for an alternate universe spider-man story almost entirely written by Tom DeFalco with almost all the art done by either Patrick O'Leaf or Ron friends. Mm. That's an incredible run on any level of the character. Mm-hmm. So, and she's really strong. She has the Ben Reilly Spider-Man outfit, but it works better with her. Okay. And I don't know why I think it works better with her, but just something about it. She is raised by Peter Parker. She's like, That'd be fun for Peter B. Parker and for Miles to meet because he's kind of like surrogate son. If he's getting together with May or with Mary Jane, ooh, May, no, Oof. Uh, with Mary Jane, and she's pregnant, and he meets teenage version of his daughter, who's this absolutely amazing Spider Girl in her own rights.
1: Oh, that'd be cool. Oh,
0: it'd be, and you could work in with Gwen and having her be like, "Holy shit, a Spider yeah. Girl!" Like. She'd be such a good in, like combination with the character. Part of me would love Ben Riley. Part of me would love cosmic Spider-Man where he has the Captain Universe powers. Part of me would love like angry old man Spider-Man that was wearing the coat that you meet very briefly uh, and his costume pops up in a couple of places, but they're not. Spider-Man 2099 and Spider-Girl would be the two that I
1: want. After we've said his name like 50 times, I finally remembered what I was gonna bring up a lot earlier. Yeah, And I find the Spider-Man, Spider-Man Unlimited costume to be the better version of the Spider-Man 2099 costume. I
0: disagree, but I understand where you're coming from. I Because th- as I said, I think both costumes are straight fire, but I realize I'm in the minority in some of my costume design choices. Um, I guess we should talk about it. Superior Spider-Man, Doc Ock, and Spider-Man's body. Or in a clone body in some versions. I don't care. Everyone wants him. I know people who are huge, huge fans. I don't feel it because I don't like mean Spider-Man.
1: Maybe I would feel different if I read it, but it's just not something that is...
0: The second series is supposed to be much better when it's Ock in his own body trying to make his own way, not just trying to be Peter. Okay. Because there's it's significantly less creepy mm-hmm. than everyone thinks I'm Peter. And I'm being like, he starts like, am I going to date MJ? And there were wild consent issues. And he really quickly went, there are wild consent issues. It was like the one redeeming fact about awk and that, <laughs> but the main lesson of superior Spider-Man is that honestly, the superior Spider-Man is Peter. Like at the end of the day, he's not the superior Spider-Man, right? The amazing Spider-Man is, So bringing him in, he's a huge part of the crossovers. I just, if you want an angrier Spider-Man for them to conflict with more, you could do Miguel O'Hara, who, as I said, is a much angrier character, and do it in a way that he's not an absolute gaslighting crapsack at the same time.
1: Uh, Do we want to see Widow the Spider-Horse?
0: I mean, always. (laughs) I want Spider-Ham to ride Widow the Spider-Horse. Yes. They did a rumor of a... (laughs) a spider ham solo movie. And I don't think I support it because I think it would be too much, but part of me desperately supports it. Cause I want more spider ham and John Mulaney. Yes. They did a short, like a, like Looney Tune length short of him and how he got sucked in. And I really enjoyed that, but I feel like a full, like two hour spider ham movie where it's just spider ham would be too much.
1: Maybe just like a longer short. Give us like a 40 minute.
0: 45 minutes? That's great. But I think that's about... In the same way of... I feel the same about Spider-Man Noir. Mm. Um, I would love... They had talked about doing a more female-focused Spider-Verse spin-off. Call it Web Warriors. That's fine. There was a brief series of that. Mm-hmm. And use Gwen and Penny and bring in May or something like that. Or a Spiderling who is a different version of daughter of Spider-Man and Mary Jane from... Mm-hmm. I'll save that for my recommendations. Okay. Uh, I think that's about all I have to say here. I could talk more, but I don't need to talk more.
1: There. Okay. Like I said, I am one that looks at a lot of detail. I could probably go off another thirty minutes just on some of the weird little Easter eggs they threw in. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to. So uh, let's say if you listen to all of this and you haven't watched it, go. Five. What is wrong with you, son, child, daughter? But I'm going to assume if you listen to this, you've watched it already. So hopefully, like, maybe you agree with us, maybe you don't. If you don't, you can contact us.
0: I'd love to fucking hear from you. I have people that I do hear from, but they're like my buddies already. So they're like,
1: hey, "Hey." this thing.
0: Um, But like in Art of Wargaming, we get occasional, especially because they're like, oh, I think this about games. Like it's a much easier one for people to write in on. And it makes my fucking day
1: every time. So we want to hear that from you guys. We also would love it if you guys continued listening to us. So first off, please hit subscribe. We skipped a step. We skipped a step. Never mind. I, I love doing a, that to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A really good segue there, though. That's all It I'm was saying.
0: so good. And uh, we will find a new segue, Tyler. I almost didn't, but I didn't want to be like, bye. Oh, wait, shit.
1: It's okay. Um, we
0: got recommendations. Recommendations. Go ahead and hit me with your recommendations. All
1: right. So the only thing I've really been watching all week is this guy on YouTube, Howard Ho. Did a series, uh, How Hamilton Works. And it goes awesomely deep into all the sort of thing that I used to study when I was a secondary ed music major. And you don't have to know all that knowledge because he's good enough at explaining the shit that he's trying to say about the songs and the way they all fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just gives a for way further uh, insight into how amazingly they were crafted first off but just it, it's more you can pull more from it and the two that uh above i can't remember how many there are total the two that i'd recommend even if you're not going to watch all of them above all the others is uh, i think it's called like my shot in 11 songs and he shows how the the my shot chord progression Is used as a stand in for people's ambitions through 11 of the songs on the soundtrack. I watched a video today where Lin Manuel was talking about how
0: he worked the sound that AOL made when you loaded up the internet and dial it. Yeah. That was based around like some of the old dial up (laughs) internet sounds. Because it's what he thought of when he thought he wanted Hamilton to upgrade the music from, like, when Hamilton comes in, it goes from, like, 80s rap to, like,
1: let's jump up to a higher level. Um, It's just so good. Uh, And then the other one from him that I would super recommend is, I think it's just called, like, Why Ten Dual Commandments is Amazing. And it's uh, more goes into, like, how the counting theme is reused throughout it all. And it's fucking incredible. Um,
0: yeah. Related but unrelated. On our social media, on Facebook, I found a video of Lin-Manuel Miranda when he was on The Electric Company on PBS.
1: Which ties into Spider-Man. There was an electric company uh, Yes, Spider-Man. it's
0: great. I, I had that <laughs> thought today, too. Um, and he sings a song called The Silent E is a Ninja. And it has been stuck in my head for hours. And I'm not even mad about it. It's just so weird and funny. And we should have had you do your recommendation second because I have so many good segues into other things. But we're going to jump to mine.
1: Okay. What do you got?
0: I got two Spider-Man stories that I'm going to recommend. One I might have done already, but it's so fucking good. They're going to do it anyways. Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows it spun out of Secret Wars because when Secret Wars happened, they had a bunch of little mini series of different alternate universes. Mm-hmm. And one is about Spider-Man where he stops being a hero for a while, has his kid uh, who is named Annie Mae Parker, which one Mae Parker is just dumb and amazing. But also he manages to fit both Aunt May and MJ's Aunt Anna into a single mm-hmm. name, which I love because Aunt Anna is very important to MJ in the same way that Aunt May is important to Pete and she gets powers and through a different way MJ gets powers. And it's the idea of these three telling, like having adventures together, like Spider-Man and family, Mm
2: -hmm. but
0: on a fully equal level. Uh, And after the initial mini series, they for like 10 issues or so they got Gary Conway to write it. Gary Conway wrote The Death of Gwen Stacy. Gary Conway created Tombstone. Gary Conway created The Jackal. He is one of the all-time great comic book writers for Spider-Man. He's in my top three. So getting him to write it was just so good and so joyful. And he clearly loved doing it. And it let Spider-Man be fun. And then my other one is going back the other direction, but it is... My two top Spider-Man writers are Gary Conway and Ron friends, which is funny because they're both from before my time. Mm -hmm. Ron friends created the hobgoblin. He, he just got Spider-Man, especially on the more ground level that I've already talked about liking so much in a really good way. But one of the things from the original spider Ron friends run is he never revealed who hobgoblin was. And he left before it was revealed. And Marvel tried a couple different answers on who Hobgoblin was, and none of them really worked. So years later, they hired him to come back and do a miniseries called Spider-Man Hobgoblin Lives with him and Ron France, who was the main artist during this time, to, to do a proper reveal of who the Hobgoblin is and who the Hobgoblin was supposed to be. And the series was just fucking great. And then if you get it on the Marvel collected edition and it's not that expensive, George Perez also does art in it too. So oh, cool. it's Ron Friends and George Perez, George Perez did Christ on infinite earths. If mm-hmm. you don't remember names, um, he later did a sequel to it where I don't remember what it was called, but it was where Norman Osborn the original green goblin meets Roger Kingsley, the original hobgoblin for the first time. And both of them are the far superior versions of the various goblins. Mm-hmm. So hobgoblin never does well when he goes up against green goblin, like green, greenies just a little too crazy for him to know how to deal with. But it's just one of the best Spider-Man writers writing the character that best defined his run. That's fine. Uh, and it's cheap. It is not expensive to pick up on Amazon because it's they're like ah it's out of print
1: and five bucks whatever. Uh, nice.
0: Yeah, that sounds
1: like a lot, that sounds like something I'd read.
0: It's good. I uh, let return Agents of Atlas to me, I and I'll return. i this in the same way. I need to return Solomon Kane. We're bad at this, guys. It's okay. But that There's is for off podcast. I did, I
1: did remi- rem- remember one other thing I was going to say about my recommendation. Yeah. If you start watching it and he goes into chord progressions and you don't know music theory, don't be scared off because even if it doesn't happen immediately after he will give like demonstrations on what he means by having you listen. oh, to so he's not chords. like
0: it he doesn't and then
1: he then go he on. doesn't just leave it at that we He'll do that sometimes it. we need to I'm working I am working on that I do that sometimes The biggest problem is he uses the really really uh complicated terms like, well, it does this because it wants to. <laughs> Which is the type of shit I had to deal with all the time when learning how to be You're a like, Thatcher. does not mean anything. These chords resolve this way usually because they want to. But we're not going to do that this time. <laughs> <sighs> OK. That's that's what we got for this. My my voice is tired. Yeah, no, I we're just gonna ramble. We fucked up. I had such a good segue. I, I ruined it for you. I should it's have waited okay. till after you did the segue and then jumped in. It's okay. I well then we just went ahead had all of our sections fucked up. But now we're actually to the point where I say please hit subscribe. <laughs> or, however you listen to us right now, because it'd be super awesome. Um, you can continue getting episodes that way. If there's any way for you to rate and review us, however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super cool. Helps us get into the algorithm. We like being seen. We like being heard even more so, which is why we're talking on a podcast Mm. for a couple hours. I'm
0: not crazy about being seen, but I'm
1: just high on being heard. Apparently. Uh, To go along with that go please check out our website www.generalnerdcast.com you can contact us through the website or by hitting us up generalnerderypod at gmail.com tell us what you thought of into the spider verse Uh, tell us what sort of shit we shouldn't have skipped over when we were talking about all there's a lot
0: that we should not have
1: skipped over there was so much we know tell us about it uh Go along with that while you're over at the website and click links up at the top. We are part of the Ear podcast network. Uh, you can go click that. Check out all the other shows on the site. Listen to me talk about horror movies over on Fried
0: Squirms. Zach? Listen to me talk about war and wargaming and war treatises and all sorts of stuff like that on the art of wargaming.
1: And just a couple days ago, we did some recording on another show up to be upcoming. So it's. We truly know we the keep work. promising this. And we know we say every week that we keep promising we this. We actually did recording this. Week oh, it felt too. so good.
0: We might do it again next week. Um, with this one, there is absolutely nothing like. It's not topical like this is. Like, they're not doing on a weekly. So we're trying to get, like, a season done
1: before and, we release and it. Then, and then we'll talk about it on this because it ties right in. We'll open it with whatever on an episode. Mm-hmm. Let you guys know more about it. But it's finally fucking getting done. So. Please stay tuned to all that. The easiest way would be check out that website, earvvyrm.com for all those updates. And find us on the social medias. We're using it slightly more and more. Oh yeah. Search for General Nerdery, you'll find us. That's what I got. That's what we got. In the meantime, we're your gels of Nerdery.
0: I'm remembering what we're doing here.
1: Dismissed. Dismissed.